Hello. I would say good morning, but I don't know when you are listening to or watching this. But it's early in the morning here. The creatures in the Brown household are just beginning to stir. And I was in my morning routine, just um, going through my study, reading, and um, just morning prayer. And I hope you have a routine. And uh, I don't always get it just right, but the routine isn't something that I aim for perfection in. The routine is just a practice. That's why we, uh, we talk about spiritual practice. Or some people talk about practicing uh, yoga right? It's not like you ever master those things. You just keep practicing. And so uh, here we are. And I just, as I was going through my morning uh, practice, my morning routine, I wanted to go ahead and crank up the microphone here and turn on the camera and just share a few thoughts about this particular parable. As we go through our series, the parables of Jesus, stories that stir the soul. And today's parable uh, is just really uh, one or two lines. It comes to us from Matthew chapter 13. And um, I've, I've read a fair amount on this parable, and I've just found that the more that I read, the less I liked what I was reading. And there was some really good stuff, but sometimes for me, it's like you can get so wrapped around the axle of some things that it's like parables are simple stories. And all we're trying to do is just understand enough of the context, what's going on in the history and the place and the people, uh, so that we can let this parable speak to us without without bringing too much of our 21st century Western mind to the thing. We want to make sure we're hearing the parable for what it is. And at the same time, I think that the brilliance of Jesus's teachings is that they go beyond the, 20, the, the first century context, and they meet us right where we are. And that's because the stories that he tells come from just the everyday situations of life. And that's probably one of the coolest things about this particular parable to me is um, the normalcy of it. And I think that's where that's where the mystery comes in with this. That's where the real eternal truth comes in with this. So I just wanted to hop on early. Haven't even gotten through uh, two cups of coffee yet. Have not even made it uh, out of uh, out of the sleep clothes and haven't even brushed my hair. For those of you who are listening on podcasts and you're working out, you're on your way to work, uh, you are doing the dishes, just know that I am a disheveled mess and I'm okay with that this morning because I wanted to do this while the place was quiet and uh, we have a hurricane that is out here on the Gulf Coast that has just decided it's going to sit right on the coastline and just dump some water on us for a while. And I thought, what better thing to do than to fire up a candle and a microphone and get right into it. And that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to be reading um, Matthew chapter 13, and uh, it's verse 44. And I'm reading a translation um, from uh, a, a rabbi from... Uh, a couple hundred years ago, and the rabbi's name is um, Elijah V. Soloveitchik. So he's a Russian rabbi, as I recall. I may have that wrong, but I think he's Russian, Russian Jew. Uh, his translation and his commentary, I thought, were, were pretty good. I'm going to give a little bit of, of that, but I really just wanted to bring out uh, some thoughts that I had. So 
Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a treasure that a man found stashed in a field. He stashed it again and joyfully went and sold everything he had and bought that field. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a man who found a treasure. And that man found the treasure. It was stashed in a field. I thought that was cool. Like, think about that. Your imagination. Like, who doesn't love a treasure story, right? I mean, how cool is that? A treasure stashed in a field. Have you ever seen the movie National Treasure? Like, National Treasure Part 1? Or National Treasure Part 2? It's one of those movies where, like, the sequel might be as good as the original one. And wait, I've heard that there's going to be a National Treasure Part three, that's right. It was supposed to come out like two years ago. Still hasn't come out yet. Might never. Nevertheless, I love treasure movies. Good ones, right? Do you ever watch The Curse of Oak Island? I think it's on Prime or Netflix, uh, but it was definitely on the History Channel. Those guys poured millions of, of dollars searching for this treasure, this ancient buried treasure. Who doesn't love a good treasure story? Well, Jesus' hearers love treasure stories. And what does he say? He says, here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Here's, here's what the reign of God, R-E-I-G-N. Here's what it's like when you live according to, to God's, God's ways. It's like a man who found a treasure stashed in a field. And what does he do? He stashes it again. He goes and sells everything he owns and he buys it. How cool is that, right? Well, I was thinking about it. And you can let your imagination go. It's cool. It's a treasure story. It's what we do. The only thing would be better if Jesus was like, a man found buried pirate treasure. That'd be cool. But he didn't. It's treasure buried in a field. The man stashed it. Well, it says that the treasure had already been stashed. So that means that somebody before this guy had found that treasure and stashed it. And for whatever reason never came back to claim it. Maybe he didn't have the resources to sell all of his stuff and to buy the field. Or maybe the woman who found it the first time, uh, she found it and then she was on her way to somewhere and something happened. We don't know what happened, but we know this isn't the first time this treasure has been owned or found. It made me think about when Jesus encountered the rich young ruler Remember that? And Jesus is like, come follow me. And he says, uh, he's up for the challenge. He thinks, you know, kept the law, all those things. And Jesus is like, well, why don't you sell everything you have and come follow me? And it says that uh, he went away sad because he had so many things. I think that's one way of maybe thinking about this is somebody had the treasure, knew where it was, but just for whatever reason didn't have what it took to go all the way with it. I think that a lot of people sit like on the boundaries of the kingdom of God. They know that there's a full, meaningful life, but there's so many things that hold them back. Often their own past, they disqualify themselves for going after the treasure buried in the field because of all the things they've done, all the things they can't get past, all the things that have happened to them 
they look at themselves. They look at the terrain of their life and they think, I, I can't go after this because of all of that. Or maybe they, uh, they see what real kingdom life could be like if they went all in and they're just afraid. They're afraid to sell everything, sell everything, quote unquote, sell everything, give up some things, some ways, some patterns, some mindsets, and just to go all in to say, God, everything I have is yours. I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to be a fool for your sake. I'm going to go all in. Nick Cage in National Treasury comes to my mind again. He's called a fool by all the people. You're just a fool. What was his name? I forget what his name is was in the thing, but his family name was just one of, of fool treasure hunters, right? But he knew there was something there. Well, I think for people of people of faith, they know that there's something there, but sometimes we stand looking at the field and we think, I know it's there, but is it worth the cost? And maybe that's the first part of this parable is there's a cost to discipleship, a cost to going after the ways of God. There's a cost to it because it says that he sold everything that he had, right? But there's also a value to it because it's not just a small coin. It's actually a treasure buried in a field. Well, yeah, if you knew that there was a treasure there, it would be worth more than whatever it was that you sold to buy the field, right? But here's where it got really interesting for me. And I don't know where it gets interesting for you because the stories do their work as they meet your own reality, your own life. The story's gonna work on you in a different way than it's gonna work on me. But I was thinking that the treasure was buried like in a field. And the field is like right there in front of the person. It's a field that maybe he's walked by a hundred times. And maybe one day he sees that there's a barren spot in this field of wheat. Or he sees that there's a mound or that the soil has been disturbed. Or maybe he received a tip from somebody that there might be something out there. Who knows? But he sees that there's something worth going after and he finds a treasure buried in a field. You know, when Jesus wanted to tell us what the kingdom of heaven was like, he didn't compare it to, quote unquote, heavenly realities. He starts talking about lost coins on floors. He starts talking about sons who have squandered inheritance and lived a raucous life and want to come back home to the good land, to the home, the heart of the father talks about mustard seeds that are really small. He, he talks about um, pearls of great price. You see, it's, it's the treasure buried in the field right in front of you. It's the treasure buried in the field when you walk into your school. It's the treasure buried in the field of the faces and places that you go every day. It's the treasure buried in the field of your job. It's a treasure buried in the field of your dentist office as you clean teeth. It's the treasure buried in the field as you're an electrician doing jobs for people or a landscaper or a medical professional. It's the treasure buried in the field right in front of you if you have eyes to see it. And that's what's speaking to me. You see, 
the treasure is right here. It's like right here. If our hearts are open, if our minds are open, if we're willing to sell off the ideas that hold us back, to let go of the things that hold us back, even our own feeling of inadequacy. You see, he didn't earn the treasure. He found it. It's right there, right there the whole time. And I think that sometimes we imagine that life with Christ will be something that we'll get one day when we when we die and go into the great beyond, but teachings about the kingdom of heaven are teachings that say the treasure is close. It's like right in front of you. See, the opportunity to experience Christ, to experience God's kingdom, God's reign. The kingdom of God is what happens when God is in charge, living according to God's ways. That opportunity is right before you every day of your life. It's right before me in my next conversation with my children when I walk out of this room and they need things. The kingdom of God can come to bear based on how I respond to those little ones. The kingdom of God in the way that I treat my wife. The kingdom of God in the way that I treat my boss and my coworkers. I don't always get it right. But the kingdom is always coming. Because Jesus taught us to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Your kingdom come like a treasure buried in the earth. Like a treasure ditched in a field. Like a treasure that's right there. The question is, am I willing to sell everything that I have? Because it seems like the only way that the path to the treasure becomes clear is when people are willing to sell everything they have and, and go after it. They catch a glimpse of it. Like a rich young ruler who's afraid. Or like a son who's inherited something and squandered it. But the kingdom is always inviting us sell everything we have in our heart, to bankrupt everything in our heart, and to say, God, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. So what is the parable doing to you? What is the story? There, there are so many things that could be said about this story. So many things have been said about this story. But what is it saying to you? See, what are you being invited into? with the story. All right. Well, I think I've gone as far as I want to go. I've said everything that I've got in my heart to say to you. And I hope that you will let Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, the parable of the treasure hidden in a field, just continue to do its work on you. And may you see that the field is always right there in front of you. And the treasure is close. Go get it, my friends.